in music, like in life, you can't always come out on top. And this is a podcast that celebrates that very fact. Welcome to Flop Stars. I'm your host, Billy Nellis, and joining me, as he always will, is Greg Willis. Hello. And each week, we'll be taking an in-depth look at the world of pop music through the prism of one major diva and the biggest belly flop in her career. With the benefit of hindsight, we'll determine once and for all if history got it right or if these women were robbed. And I know what you may be thinking, do these two have the range? What gives them the right to talk about pop music? Well, between my near decade in the world of entertainment journalism, and Greg's lifelong worship of music, mm-hmm. coupled with our shared pop culture obsessions and the simple fact that we're just queer as fuck, we're the right men for the job. Trust. Welcome, Greg. Hi. I'm now, so excited to do this. I am very excited. To talk about these divas that we love so much. Our first episode. Our we've been talking episode. about this for weeks and weeks. And for a while. <laughs> yeah. And we've been like, it's been really fun to be like, what, who do we choose and what do we talk about albums do we talk about because it's like so so many opinions <laughs> yes and before we get into everything i guess we should break down for people what we mean when we talk about a flop yeah because it's hard to define a flop a flop is sort of it, it's in the eye of the beholder if it's you certainly subjective i think on one hand you could consider you know might just be based on like chart performance sales or maybe it's critical response but i think for us it's also like kind of like how the fans respond to it and like Looking at a divas or a pop stars or any any artist's career, like what was the moment that true fans of that artist would consider, oh, that was like, you know, not their best. Right. Sort of like <clears throat> when even the stands turned. Yeah. And the stands exactly. couldn't be bothered to show the up. The stands turned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for each week, it's sort of like we're going to, we're bringing to you the idea of what the culture has decided is, is this pop divas flop. We may not think this is a flop. You may not think this is a flop. But somewhere, somehow, everyone collectively decided this was a flop. And we're going to decide whether or not everyone is right. And if that if that holds up today, how, right. how it holds up. This is a pop music podcast, and we don't want to limit to ourselves to just one topic. So we thought we'd kick off each episode with a segment we like to call Pops and Flops. Yes. So each week, Greg and I will canvas the pop music's landscape for its new releases and return in hand with the tracks that are most worthy of this week's Pops and most deserving of this week's flop. To start off with this week's flop... What is it for you? I gotta say, I spent a good amount of time thinking about this person's story in my day job uh, this week. (laughs) So I feel her pain, and I understand what she has gone through to get to this point. But my flop for this week has to be Avril Lavigne's new track with (laughs) Nicki Minaj called Dumb Blonde. And if you haven't heard it, I would advise you not to. (laughs) Um, if you Burn. remember her track Girlfriend, it is basically the same song, um, but Ugh. with a Nicki Minaj verse added instead. And there's a couple of things here. A lot of Avril's return has been all about what she went through in her Lyme disease diagnosis, mm-hmm. which has been intense and is not something to laugh at or scoff at or to discount whatsoever. But there's been this idea that she sort of matured and she sort of evolved her sound through her pain and then this track comes out that literally sounds like it could have been recorded the same day she recorded girlfriend back in i think 2008 and nikki put out on her instagram that she she talked something it was about about her days driving to work and she would listen to skater boy in the car and how she was in love with avril lavigne Hmm. do you think Nicki minaj actually (laughs) got down to skater boy i have a hard time i have a hard time believing that 
and I, you know, I'll just say this: I was I've never been an Avril fan, so yeah, that that's hard to that's hard to believe. All right, what's your flop? I I mean, I I really like did my due diligence. I was like looking through the new release, listening to new releases, but I have to say, I I think I agree this time. I'm going to have to say it's the same thing for me. (laughs) Yeah. I just, the song is just to me. Yeah. It's not, I I never liked girlfriend and you're right. It sounds like that. And I just, I don't know. It's sorry, Avril fans. It's not, uh, sorry, but mm. Uh, on on a more positive note, (laughs) after we've kicked Avril in the (laughs) teeth, let's talk about our pops for the week. I'm going to cede the floor to you. There's been a lot of good music lately, yeah. and there's a lot of good pop music, too. Yeah. My tastes are vary across musical genres, but um, when it comes to pop, one artist that's really been like, just killing it for me in the last year is Kim Petras. Every song she comes out with, I feel like, is just like pure pop magic, like mm-hmm. a total bop. And she just released three new songs, and one of them is If You Think About Me. It's not like a fast bop, it's just a really nice song, and her voice sounds great, and there's a lot of woo-ahs, which <laughs> I'm obsessed with. Every yeah. time she does it, she even there's a part where she's like, I don't need you, uh, and mm-hmm. all of those new songs are fun, but like especially this one is just like another Kim bop for me, yeah. and I live for Kim Petras. I have a question for you. I, I do love Kim as well. I don't think I stand for her as hard as you do, but I do love her. <laughs> My question is, do you think we're ever going to get a Kim Petras album? Oh, I mean, <laughs> it seems as though she's already released an entire album with how many yeah. songs she's released on Spotify, but she had, she did the, the Halloween EP, which was great. I feel like it's coming. I, and maybe she doesn't need to, though. Maybe she's yeah. just one of those like current Spotify-era artists where it's like you just release a couple songs every now and then and everyone eats it up, and right. that's all you need to do. What I think is so interesting is when she put these three songs out, she said this was the end of her first era. Every mm. pop star has their eras now. This is how we how we speak about pop, totally. pop music. And she said that this was the end of the era of the silhouetted ponytail uh, album, oh, that, that the, cover, the iconography that she's been using. She yeah. said this is the end of it. And usually you don't get to the end of an era if you haven't put Released out an, an album. album. But she has put out like what? At least like f- there's got to be like 13 and literally an LP's worth of music here Definitely. that has come out. But it is, it speaks to the point of does pop music need to put out albums anymore? What's yours? All right. So my pop this week is from my girl Lizzo, yes. who released the uh, title track for her upcoming album, Cause I Love You. And um, it's a different song for Lizzo because most of her music is like, they're all bops. They're all incredible. They, what the kids say, they slay <laughs> all the time. She She's never not bringing the fire, but this one is, it's pure vocal. It's like, there's a raw emotion to it that isn't always in her music um or is there in a different way i'm not gonna say there's not raw emotion there's always emotion in, when lizzo is singing but there's just something about this song that is so great this there's a retro feel to it but it isn't explicitly just an homage to retro for retro's sake i am so excited to see what she does i think this is a massive year for her she's playing coachella mm. she is you know she just played ellen she just played the tonight show like she is on such a trajectory and i'm so excited because i don't she's think getting the attention she deserves. i don't think there's anyone more deserving she for what she does she's such a, a body positivity queen she is incredible so go out and listen to lizzo and do you follow her on instagram her. i do follow she's her on instagram hilarious with her flute <laughs> she plays <laughs> her flute She's just um, like, this is me, and this is what I'm going to post. She twerks, and she yeah. plays the flute, and she is badass, and you should fall in love with her if you haven't already. Uh, 
All right. Well, the year was 2013. Ariana Grande and Lord's debut albums had just been released. Wow. Miley Cyrus couldn't stop. Katy Perry was riding a dark horse. And Beyonce was about to change the game with that digital drop. And a little lady born Stephanie Germanotta was just living for the applause. That's right. For our inaugural episode, we are diving headfirst into Lady Gaga's art pop. This is what art pop is all about. Now, before we dig into the album itself, let's, Greg, let's talk a little bit about where Gaga was in the lead up to this November release. The album came out November 2013. I can't believe that was six years ago. Yeah. Break down for me where she was. Break down for everyone if they don't remember what what she was coming out of. Before I mean, she-, she had just come off of like Peak Gaga, which was Born This Way. That was a huge album, huge tour. Yeah. And, you know, while she was on tour for Born This Way, she did have that hip injury. And I know that that was when she had to cancel. I remember when she had to cancel that tour. She had been touring nonstop since like really she hit the scene with Fame and Fame Monster. Yeah. And Born This Way. And she was just like hit after hit after hit. And I know there was a lot of, uh, you know, fans and critics wondering what was she going to do next? Because she was also kind of at this point, if I remember where she was, it was still all about like the crazy outfits and, and like what couture is Gaga going to do next? Which is, if you think about it now, so different than what she is now. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's still the same Lady Gaga, crazy, art, amazing artist, but it was so much of that then and there was still a lot of kind of confusion as to like who she really was yeah so it was no i think no one really could anticipate what was going to come next it was definitely when we talk about how she had hurt herself there was this period where she sort of disappeared for a second yeah and it was self-imposed and we didn't really know why she had disappeared Mm -hmm. she she kept that a secret until she was healed again behind the scenes also she had split with her manager she was going through more of a tough time, I think, than anybody knew. I think part of it had to do with the fact that she was the biggest celebrity on the planet at the moment. At the time, yeah. And it was as almost though she had to continue to top herself just because she had set herself up for that. She had such a fast rise. Like, her trajectory was so fast and, like, her superstardom. And you're right. I think there was a point at which, like, where do you go from there? You know, everyone was excited to see what she was going to do next because maybe there was also some fatigue some lady gaga fatigue i think people were starting to get a little sick of her that usually happens when people yeah. seem overexposed <laughs> so it was probably good for, for her that she had that moment um to take a pause and it's interesting that you bring <clears throat> up lady gaga fatigue because i think that's something that we will definitely talk about in a second because it plays into so much of i think how what she did give us next yeah. was received and interpreted and talked about when it was released um But what's so interesting to me about the run-up to Art Pop is that despite the fact that she was forced to take this break from performing, she wasn't taking a break from creating. Because while she was still touring for Born This Way, she was talking about Art Pop. She was already talking about... It wasn't called Art Pop yet. We didn't know what it would be. But she was already talking about this album. Um, There's a quote from her 2012... From a tour stop in 2012 where she was talking about her next album. And she said, let's just say, I feel that when I wrote Born This Way, I demonstrated a sense of maturity. And I'm, I think she's correct on that. I think that Born mm-hmm. This Way was such a, I don't think anyone really knew, knew what to do with Born This Way either because of a lot of what it was. But we were so enthralled with Lady Gaga was that it was like we were down for the ride. And she continues to say, and I feel that on the next album, there's a lack of maturity. It's a tremendous lack of maturity or sense of responsibility. So already she was sort of telling us that she, I think she was feeling Lady Gaga fatigue. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the the Born This Way track sort of set her on this 
path as sort of like a pop savior in the way she she created the like a, a trope in pop music at the time creating like the it gets better song totally um that that born this way sort of was the forefather for well that and interestingly enough at the same time she was having that but also she was getting so much shit at the time for copying madonna people kept comparing born this way to express yourself and like there was all of that too so i guess there was also an element maybe that was like where's the individualist in this as well you know is is this like maybe with the fatigue comment is she is she kind of like trying to copying what's already been done and like you said doing this it gets better theme song which was amazing and there's no doubting that right um but yeah i mean that's it it's almost as if she wanted to you're right like it seemed like she maybe she wanted to do something more irreverent yeah she in 2013 after she'd already announced our pop she spoke with the guardian and i want to read this whole quote because i think that it's sort of like summed up what she was trying to do. And then I want to ask you if she thinks she did it, but she says for art pop, I, in the most metaphorical explanation stood in front of a mirror and I took off the wig and I took off the makeup and I unzipped the outfit and I put a black cap on my head and I covered my body in a black cat suit. And I looked in the mirror and I said, okay, now you need to show them you can be brilliant without that. And that's what art pop is all about. Mm. So tell me how you feel that, makes sense compared to how she handled the rollout for art pop because i have thoughts on it <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's kind of like it's interesting because it, it sounds as if okay like what this is going to be a, almost like it's going to be super personal it's going to be super different but really like art pop is like a total pop dance album right yeah. like it's like when you listen to the lyrics like initially it's kind of like just really fun dance music um and obviously we'll get into it but like some of the songs do clearly have some really strong meaning for her but yeah it's it's i guess it's not exactly what you'd expect and it's also kind of like a hodgepodge of genres in a in in a fun way gaga she's she's very eloquent she's very intelligent but I, I, she's also the kind of person that like she likes to say a lot before she unveils something yeah <laughs> and yes. maybe it's too much yes um, I, but, you know, she's a total artist, so I yeah. appreciate that. Sometimes Gaga is her own worst enemy mm. in that she delivers you this wonderfully eloquent, very thoughtful, just very artistic expression yeah. of her art. And then she delivers you the art, and you're sometimes sort of like, wait, it's a tonal dissonance when you <laughs> put them next to one another. Like, this is a great pop song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I think that sometimes that that can be a hindrance to her. And I th- I wonder if it may have been a hindrance to her here in the mm-hmm. way that we all sort of looked at this album at, in real time as it came out. Well, I remember, I mean, when when there was a lead up to Art Pop being released and there was like so much hype and so, and she was working with all these different artists and I'm, and I'm sure you'll, you'll talk about that too, but like there was so much buildup for it um, that at the end of the day, I mean, looking back, it's still like a great album and it's just like a f- fun music, but she was wanting to kind of unveil it as like this totally art- different artistic direction. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Lee, speaking of that, she, when the album was announced, you know, it was a period in time where everyone was sort of making an app with mm-hmm. their music. There was an art pop app, the press release heralded this entire experience as a quote, reverse Warholian experience, <laughs> which for the <clears throat> average person at home, I imagine just prompted a what? Yeah. Like, like what? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about, lady? Like, Pop art in reverse. Right. We were just like, okay, it's too much right now. Like yeah. you have, you've oversaturated the market <laughs> and we don't, <laughs> we don't know what to do with it anymore. Well, there's just like a lot of like, oh, there's this app and then there's going to be this artistic 
like all these artists involved and I'm not really sure what they're exactly doing, but she was working with these like visual artists and she worked with a ton of producers. And so it was, it was kind of like, well, what is this going to be all about? Like at the end of the day, like we just want to hear what the songs are. Right. I mean, one thing that I remember with the launch of this album was, was the flying dress moment where she had the art Raven Brooklyn and she like had this like giant spaceship dress that she was basically just like this like winged spaceship she strapped on and someone like was lit make it made her fly up in the air above uh-huh. the ground a few inches for a few seconds. It was like <clears throat> almost like so much spectacle. Yeah. For very little <laughs> return. return. <laughs> but still memorable. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's not to discount the music itself, but I I yeah. think that a lot for a lot of people it was like, okay, on the one hand, you're releasing these statements that you're saying that you're, you're stripping everything away. Yeah. You're wanting people to see, as the, title, as the first track of the album says, to see behind the aura. Yeah. And yet, at every step of the way, it's more and more spectacle. There's just another insane outfit that she's walking the streets in. I mean, I think back to the... The freaking chicken mask, <laughs> which is which. The look it up if you, if you don't know what Billy's referencing. It is this insane. I mean, it is one of the craziest that pe- people might not remember. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. <clears throat> it's it's everything that you want and hope and dream for from Lady Gaga, but at the same time, when she's trying to tell you that she's wanting to pull back, it's just it's a whiplash of explanations. But it's it's also at the same time. I think it's also probably a time when people just expected that from her anyway. Right. So it's almost like, and I I remember not talking about this album now, but I remember even before Joanne came out, I was like, you know, it would be more shocking if Lady Gaga like did something totally stripped down, like t shirt and jeans, that vibe. That yes. would be more shocking. And I think that was even the joke then. It was like yeah. the craziest thing Lady Gaga could do would be to do the bare minimum. Yeah, would be. <laughs> to which, not try very hard. To her credit, even with, with all the spectacle, at the end of the day, as an artist, which she's an obviously, we love her, she's an amazing artist, and she's still able to do a stripped down like piano, vocals performance of any of, of any of her songs, especially her slow songs. She's still, like, she's clearly a truly an artist, yeah. and she can strip down to the music. And I think that's always been <clears> her saving <throat> grace yeah. when the histrionics are so much. It's that she can sit down at a piano, and she can take this this pop song that she worked on with Zed and yep. turn it into this like heartfelt, this thing that you're suddenly crying at and you don't know why that does save her time and time again when she's just trying too hard. Which makes you think, I, w- I ask you this, like, do you think like looking back on this era when she was already so famous and already had like such loyal fans, did she even need any of that spectacle? I think that people and fans especially would have responded to the album just the same. I do think they would as well. <clears throat> I think it's really hard I think there's a lot of things that come into play when, you, when you're talking about something like that with someone who is at a pinnacle of their career, a career that is as pinnacle as Lady Gaga's mm-hmm. has been. There's so much expectation on you from so many different avenues. And there's also the part where you're sort of buying into your own hype, too. That's true. And that is a very toxic thing that happens to a lot of pop stars. And I think that we've seen that it probably happened to her. I think that she's spoken about that it's yeah. happened to her. You know, you 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 don't want to let anybody down. And it, you feel like this is the only way. And it's... I mean, we have to remember, this was her third album only. Which when, is crazy which is to insane. think about Because it. it was... It, it felt like she'd been around forever, but she really hadn't been. Yeah. It was only it was, like a it's, few years. And it's such a trajectory, <clears throat> such a fast trajectory that it's hard to fault her for doing right. it the way she did. And and you have to also wonder what's going on behind the scenes. You know, record labels are insane and the, the pressures they the put on their on their artists. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a tough sort of thing to deal with. The other interesting thing I think about is 
a lot of the songs on this album, and we'll get to them in depth in a second, but a lot of it commented again on her fame. Yeah. And Which is a common This thing is now that. like the third. I mean, Born This Way as an album is the only album that really speaks about things outside of her fame. Mm-hmm. Fame and Fame Monster, it's right there in the title. It's talking about fame itself. And here she is exploring fame again. Do you think that for some people that was a turnoff? They were like, oh, here she is navel-gazing once again. I think Applause is an obvious one, but maybe there's other tracks where it might not be as obvious in, in the same way. Because at the end of the day, they're still like just really fun pop songs, yeah. and maybe and maybe that is what people like. What people want. I think pop music is often used as a way of it's a form of an escapism, and it make, makes you feel good. And maybe if you have lyrics that are fun to sing along to, that could be aspirational. I think what's so interesting <clears throat> about Lady Gaga that I wonder if a lot of people even care about in the way that I do is that her music is as much as it's talking about fame, it's a commentary on fame. Yeah. And in a way that I don't know that maybe she gets, and maybe she does now, but I don't think in the beginning of her, her career got enough credit for that she wasn't just sort of celebrating fame. She was dissecting it and mm-hmm. sort of trying to like understand it. And I'd, I wonder if for most people that just goes right over their head. Probably. I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> like, probably, you know, it's, we're talking about, it's always funny to see, like, when we were doing research for this album in this era and looking back at, like, major network interviews that she would do where she's trying to really explain the artistry behind the songs or the videos that she was producing for the album at the time. And, you know, we're talking about shows and hosts that are just want to talk about the most, like, mainstream <laughs> kind of simple topics. And, I don't think it always translates in that way for that for that mass audience. So, but it is actually fascinating to me that an artist as big as Lady Gaga can still kind of have that very detailed, thoughtful approach to her art in a way that may may go over most people's heads, and they still love the music. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about how. <clears throat> speaking of people loving the music, <laughs> not everyone did when this album came out. Right, the album dropped. Some of the reviews were not so kind. I've got some choice uh, excerpts here. Mm. From Rolling Stone, they wrote, Gaga wants us to believe the LP was inspired by Marina Abramovic, Jeff Koontz, and Sandra Botticelli. At its best, it sounds like it was creatively directed by RuPaul, Dr. Ruth, and Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> Which, look. <laughs> what? An album creatively directed by RuPaul. I, I mean. Is an album you want to I, listen to. It's like an to. album I, I still want to always hear. Like, I feel like that's a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Entertainment Weekly said, Retro may be white hot right now. See Miley Bruno Daft Punk at all. But art pop doesn't reach back far enough. In music as in fashion, there's a critical gap between vintage and last season. And uh, the Ouch. Times UK, this was interesting. The Times UK actually came to her defense. And they said, it's a wonder you can hear Lady Gaga's third studio album over the sound of knives being sharpened. Uh, that entire... Um, review actually takes to task the other critical consensus of people who seem to be critiquing the artist herself rather than the album as it came out, which as we talked about, I think really played into how critics received this album. Yeah. Um, It was because she was so big that it was almost like, like I was saying earlier, I was like, what's she going to do next? So they were ready, ready to critique her before actually like critically listening to the music. Well, and I I think that that is time and time again, what we as a culture do Mm-hmm. to pop stars we build them up we deify them we celebrate them we obsess over them and then we're like nope and we push them over the cliff right. and we laugh as they fall down it and i think that this was the point in her career where it was her turn yeah we had just exalted Seen her the, the media had exalted her 
She sold clicks. She sold magazines. She got TV specials. She did two specials on ABC for Christmas. Mm -hmm. She could do no wrong. And then we were tired of it. Right. And it was that fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is an unfair thing to put on a body of work, even if you're tired of a person. And there's the whole, the whole thing of separating the art from the artist. And even if you're annoyed by somebody, you sh- you know, in my profession, when I'm at work and I'm writing in some about something critically, you try not to think about the person making it unless they're Louis C.K. and they have assaulted people. Right. But, you know, you you there should be a, a way to separate that church and state. And I don't think that's what happened here when this album came out. You're I think probably that, right. I think a lot of it was about people tired, being tired of her and they didn't care what she had to say or do. Yeah. The album... It debuted at number one. Which I didn't realize. Yeah. And this is kind of a time when I guess like physical music was still being bought. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, it debuted at number one with uh, 258,000 copies sold in its first week. When you compare that to Born This Way, which also debuted at number one, sold 1,108,000 copies in its first week. There's a steep drop off there. Yeah. There is a steep decline in interest in buying a Lady Gaga record. Now, there's so many factors in that, totally. in the fact that from 2011 to 2013, music, 2010, whenever Born This Way came out, yeah. every year, the amount of albums sold precipitously decrease. Especially with the rise of digital and streaming yeah. at that time, especially, yeah. But at the same time, I think, you know, when you think about the lead singles and the hits from Born This Way, and she was at the height of her fame, and, you know, Born This Way, and... Mary the Night. Mary the Night. What was Judas was on that album. Yeah. Like so many, so many huge songs. That you and I. You and I. Oh, what was the one with the saxophone that I loved? That's Mary the Night. Or no. Uh, I'm thinking of, oh my God, why can I not? The Edge of Glory. Yes. All these songs were on that album. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the deep cuts in that album are fucking amazing. I think that like, yeah, there, there wasn't really like as many big hits from art pop and applause while it was well received wasn't like huge hit or off the bat. So that also could be why it wasn't like, again, like I think her fans received it well. What's interesting is the album debuted at number one, <clears throat> following week it dropped to number eight and it had an 82% decrease in sales, making her the first artist to have two albums in the top five list of all time biggest second week percentage drops. Wow. But to her credit, Born This Way did the same thing. Born This Way had a 94% drop. So, so that's just like a... I mean, that could just be like... That's just what happens. What happens with like music. Like, and it, it's, if it's you don't true. get it in the first week, you're probably not going to buy it. Right. I mean, I think about even now, like fans of any big artist, like as soon as they... Now we just get music released immediately on the on, you know new release Friday on streaming services. And then you're just like, if you don't listen to it right away, it's kind of like you must not you know be a fan unless you get into it later. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. I want to talk about the album itself. Yeah. I want to dig into it. Tell me what songs on the album, when you listened, we both spent our week playing this album back, living in it, living inside of the art pop. (laughs) Um, Talk to me about what works for you on this album still. What holds up for you? What, what held up for you? What was good for you then? And what's good for you now? I mean, I have to say, and I'm, I've always been a huge fan of Gaga's. I appreciate all of her work, but this this actually still might be one of my favorite albums. Okay. Interestingly enough, it's it's probably her shortest album if we don't count Fame Monster since that was more of an EP. But I think that like there's just especially listening back this week, there's not only are there so many good songs that I that still hold up for me, but even the songs I didn't care for as much then, I actually like now. And that's just this kind of interesting like 
like we'll probably be talking talking even more praise for Joanne a few years time. <laughs> right. But I mean for me like I don't know I love electronic music and dance music and she worked with a lot of great electronic producers on this album. For the album. first time too. For the first time yeah. which was kind of remarkable. She worked with Zed, she worked with Maddie and like the GUI and Venus tracks or the beginning of the album are killer to me. I'm obsessed with them. They still hold up. Like I still want to go to Enigma in Vegas and see her do those songs Mm -hmm. sex dreams like i was reading a lot of critics received it like they sounded they compared it to like janet jackson and paula abdul and prince which totally makes sense because i was obsessed with janet and paula yeah when i was a kid dancing on my parents living room like a little gay boy and (laughs) sex dreams is like such a fucking jam and it's funny when you listen to her commentary about when she goes track to track talking about the album and she's explaining like the you know very in a very gaga-esque way like the meaning behind every song and right off the bat with sex dreams she's like sex dreams is about sex dreams it's like <laughs> that's what's what it's about um and i and i think any like especially gay fans can relate to like the sexuality in these songs and gui a song where it's it stands for like girl under you and it's like it's a sexual empowerment song um it's i don't know there's this the tracks have this like banging dance beats and just like it's really sing along easy to sing along to and they work in the clubs and it's just really good but then the versatility of the album that's really interesting for me is you get songs like manicure and uh swine that are super rock songs and you get donatella that is like literally could be a rupaul song um and it's like such a in fashion and such a gay song um and even donatella herself like said that she loved the donatella song she loved like the bitchiness in it and and it was flattering which is great um, but for me one of the standout tracks and this is going to be unpopular probably but i'm i'm still obsessed with mary jane holland okay and i i think i love it because like it's like a really catchy hook but it's also like the story behind it is really interesting to me about how she was like in amsterdam at the time and she was writing songs with maddie and the producer and she was really she talked about how she was really sick of like feeling like the whole world owned her blondness and that's why the beginning of the track talks about like ditching the blonde and shaving it off and she dyed her hair brown and she went out in amsterdam one night and she she got really stoned which is what you do there and she got really drunk and she went out to like sex bar sex clubs and like strip clubs and bars and she told everyone that she was out with to call her Mary Jane Holland. So she like person, and I could totally imagine her like mm-hmm. having a million alter egos. So she personified this, this character. And then she sang about that, that character in this song. And it's just kind of fun to sing along to and imagine yourself like as this character. And I have to say, this is the song. <laughs> this is one of the songs. If I were to ever do drag again, I would do this song. <laughs> totally really? play this character like this like rock and roll okay. chick going out in Amsterdam and that would I would live this fantasy. Okay. <laughs> I like to look at an album through the prism of which song would I do drag what I perform drag to. <laughs> It's any of these could really work. Any of them. <laughs> I mean, I think that I am the prototypical queen who would pick Donatella. Oh, yeah. Um, because how could you not? Donatella? You know, we talked about Sex Dream. You talked about Sex Dreams. And I, I that song still slaps to me. Like, that oh, yeah. song. I love the interplay between her singing and the spoken. Like, how she goes back and forth. The song is there, but you're hearing, like, her inner thought in between each line. Yeah. And I think that that is such a cool way to compose a, a track. And that breakdown where she she's talking about how she can't she's can't believe she's telling you this and she's kind of drunk and she laughs. I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I've had a couple drinks and oh. My God. <laughs> Honestly, that is some of the best vocal acting I've heard out of Lady Gaga since and after 
A Star is Born. <laughs> like, she sounds so authentic in a way yeah. that a lot of times when Lady Gaga speaks, she doesn't really buy any authenticity. It always sounds like there's a character there, yeah. which of course we know that there has been. There's something about that that it just felt, I could feel how free she felt making that track. And it I think that's why I always respond to say? it. Like, Not even like it's raw, but it just, I feel like I believe her. Yeah, totally. It's relatable. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I believe her in it. And I'm obsessed with the GUI. The music video is... Oh my God. Hands down. Can we talk about the video? Pray at the altar, please. The video shot at Hearst Castle, which is already a big deal. They do not let people shoot anything at Hearst Castle. And then with the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Andy Cohen as like as god figure in in the sky. (laughs) And we're talking about an... We're also Housewives of Beverly Hills fans. We're talking about an era of Beverly Hills when it was like... The, there's always that one season girl. In this case, it was Carlton Grebbia. or whatever. The, the British witch. The Wiccan. <laughs> the Wiccan. <laughs> and Yolanda Foster, was his, this is pre-Erica Jane, pre-Lisa Renna. Lisa Vanderpump, Kyle Richards, and Kim Richards, like, living their best music video girl fantasy. Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> Mime and that tambourine. I mean, when that came out and they see these housewives, like, pretending to sing along and play instruments in a Lady Gaga video... I was like, oh my god, Gaga is like a Housewives fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think before Jennifer Lawrence was humanizing herself by talking about how much she loved Vanderpump Rules, like, this right. was like the first, like, celebrity who, like, took this very queer, very lowbrow yeah. reality TV thing and sort of, like, was like, no, I'm, this is something that is on par with my art, and I'm gonna celebrate it in a, in a very funny way. And it was just fucking fun. And like, it was amazing fun. to see Lisa and Kyle when they when they have that scene where they go with Gaga to like take revenge on those guys who like shot her angel character down the sky. It's a very conceptual, like high concept thing. But it fucking is so good when they're like in those outfits. And if you read an interview with Vanderpump and Kyle Richards about the video, and even Lisa was like at the time, she's like, I'm a 53-year-old woman, but Gaga told me to put this this look on and I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. I always think about to this day it, it'll creep in my head and i always think what do brandy glanville and joyce whatever her last name was <laughs> think about when they remember that they didn't get to be a part of this video this they video. were asked to oh, be were in they it. every yes every housewife was asked they were quote they unavailable what, unavailable for what a was Lady joyce Gaga video? whoever her name was what was she too busy doing what anyway, was she too busy doing that's a conversation for another day but the gui <laughs> video is it's. I think it's like totally underrated. I think that when we when totally. people talk about incredible Lady Gaga videos, they bring up Telephone, they bring up yeah. Bad Romance, they bring up Paparazzi, as they rightly should. Those are you know up there with Thriller as some of the best music videos I think that yeah. have ever been created. Yeah. But I think that GUI is right up there with them completely. And the like the, the Hearst Castle iconography and like all the looks, the dance, the dance break, like her look especially when she's in the pool, she's wearing that Donatella wig and she's like playing that like talk about Donatella, like that was a big inspiration clearly for this album. And she's like embracing that look. Yeah. And she had never looked better in my opinion no. in videos. And the concept was so kind of like crazy it's almost but it's one of those videos you want to watch it again to be like what the fuck is going on <laughs> why is michael jackson coming back from the dead like what is michael this video? jackson jesus and gandhi yeah, and yeah that's, that's who it was back to life. the lego moment and you're just like it's almost as if she was just like let's just fucking throw all these ideas in here and i'm gonna do it my way yeah 
which I appreciate. Yeah. We had our work cut out for us with this video. Uh, it was a very big production. We shot for six days. And it was just such a pleasure working with the whole team. You know, everyone from hair and makeup to the grips to uh, my first AD and my uh, DP, uh, Thomas. We just had a really, really great time. Another track that I love mm-hmm. that I don't think is really ever talked about when this album is talked about is Gypsy. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it from day one. I know we've talked about it and you didn't love it. Not initially. Initially. Yeah. There's something about, I mean, the song is sort of her reconciling her love of her career and her love of wanting to be in love and how those two can never really aren't that compatible, which is a very um, first class (laughs) problem to have. But, But it's also sad in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But you would think it's like unrelatable. Right. Is what I'm trying to get at. Right. But, there's something about that song that there's like an achiness to it. And yet it's very, very celebratory when the sort of the chorus erupts in that song, there's this feeling of like the sound that I I get this feeling of it just like washing over me. Mm. And it's just like one of those songs that I call it like the wall of sound, which is like a a Ronnie Spector thing. And I I use it in a a way that I don't think he meant to, but (laughs) I, I feel like that's like the wall of sound that's coming to me that just it it's, Something that there, it's something that I find hard to articulate that a song can do, but it sort of makes me feel very complete while I'm listening to the song, and that song does that to me. And I, that's it, a powerful feeling. Yeah, yeah. If there's something about it, and I, it's like cheesy as hell, but I, it's I, great. I've always sort of felt that. And when she's like at the end and she's rallying off all these places and the and the cut in the world, and it doesn't make really any sense. And I just, I don't know. I love that track. And she's speaking all the different languages. Yeah, and I love. I don't I love speak German, but that. I'll try. Yeah. What what are some of your other like? I do love manicure, and I love manicure for the wordplay in manicure. Mm-hmm. I find manicure really interesting in what she's trying to express there, and I wonder if part of it is sort of about the the intro. It sounds like she's talking about dressing herself up, and part of it to me seems to me like she's talking about like feminizing men to cure them, mm. and and I sort of love that that you that I don't know if that's the read she's even trying to give me, but I get that read when I listen to that song. I think there's a lot of songs on this album that we were talking about earlier, like how, you know, initially they might be just taken as like fun. Like this is, oh, the critics might say this is just like some crazy Lady Gaga dance music. But like some of the lyrics really are pretty powerful, especially like a song like Swine. Yeah. Where a lot of people I don't think don't like this song. You know, then she did that performance in South by Southwest. And I think part of it too is that that performance for a lot of people is so inextricably linked to that song. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people like that performance. Either. No, definitely not. But it, but I think it kind of represented what the lyrics of the song represent, yeah. which is where she's really talking about something very serious. And, you know, she wanted to do, to perform it in a way that it was conveyed like this. I'm talking about something that makes me disgusted. And that's why I'm doing something really disgusting. Basically in the performance, had this woman vomit on her, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happened. This, this performance artist, she came up literally putting her fingers down her throat and yeah. like throwing up on Gaga while she's singing. And then they get on like this mechanical bowl. And it's really like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is not like the song and dance like you want from her. Yeah. But she explained it, and you're kind of like, okay, like she's she's trying to like visually represent what the lyrics of the song mean for her, 
And it's not shocking that Lady Gaga is doing something probably intentionally shocking. Like, that's yeah. what she does. And I think it's a way for her to get attention for something that she wants to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I, I understand why people were so turned off by it. But we totally understand that some people won't be into it. And uh, did we want the controversy? Uh, I suppose it doesn't matter. Either way, we don't make things for any intention in, in particular other than um, in the spirit of uh, entertaining the crowd and creating something that is really for the moment. And it wasn't meant for the Today Show. <laughs> it was meant for uh, a club performance in Austin, and we had a great time. It's important to note that what she was speaking about in that song is about her sexual assault that she was reconciling with while she made this album that we didn't know she was reconciling with, that she's only since opened up about right. and really spoken about. What's hard for me about that song And what she was trying to say with it is I wonder if the way in which she's saying it fails what she's trying to say. Mm -hmm. Because it's interesting to me to to take a lyric that is about something so intense for you and then turning it into this sort of, like you said, rock. But it, you know, it's Zed worked on the song. It does have a very like... Super dancey. Dance feel to it. I'm like, does it get lost? Does, Does what she's trying to say get lost in that? Is that what she wants? Is that how she's sort of freeing herself from the feeling by right. turning it into this other thing altogether so that it can be released from her? I don't know. That's not for me to say. But I, I just sometimes I wonder if the mode of expressing it fails the expression. That's probably why it didn't really translate very well yeah. <laughs> in song or in performance. But it's still, yeah, it's still kind of, it's, you're right. It's always going to be connected to that performance. And, you know, there's so many parts to it where it's like, well, what is she trying to say? What is this? What's the concept here? What is it about? You're going from that, right, to like applause yeah, to these like songs that are like celebrating sex. Yeah. So it, it, it's, I think as a listener, maybe when you're really looking at everything she's saying about this and, and what the songs are about, it is confusing. Yeah. It's interesting. <clears throat> you look at the, the songs that bookend the album. The album opens with Aura, mm-hmm. which interestingly enough was originally entitled Burka, which is insane, considering what the song is about, like her appropriating <clears throat> or intending to appropriate the act of wearing a burka. But she opens the album asking people to look behind the aura to to see herself fully. And so you're it's and she had gone on record saying that this album was meant to be listened to from beginning to end. It was mm-hmm. meant to tell you something. So you're starting off, you're being told that you're you're getting the glimpse, you're finally getting the glimpse of Stephanie. You're you're getting to look behind the aura. She's saying it, it's plain. It's plain as English right there. And then you go through this album and you get you get Sex Dreams, you get Donatella, you get Fashion. They're all great tracks. They're all incredible pop music. I will never turn them off. But when you are being told that this is this is your look behind the curtain, and then you're getting essentially the same disappointment as what the Wizard of Oz was when you looked behind. You know what I mean? Like, there's a very you're interesting... still getting like the Lady Gaga that that you know. Yeah, yeah, there's a very interesting read there because it's like, okay, what are we actually glimpsing? And then the album ends with applause, which is a perfectly great ending to an album. It, it's a perfect ender if there ever was one. But you're like, okay, was this all still an act? Because you still want the apply. It's it's just it's an interesting album to dissect, and I could talk about it for hours. There's so much going on there, and two of the songs that we haven't talked about that I think work the least on the album, I think are sort of indicative of of 
what the problems are that people had with this album. And mm-hmm. sometimes the questions I still have when I approach it. So I'm just going to go right into it. The first yeah. one, obviously, the biggest one is Jewels and Drugs. <laughs> I mean, this track feels so out of place. Yeah, It feels like a T.I. song <laughs> that was featuring Lady Gaga and two other rappers to totally. me. I don't think it's a bad song. I think that all of the rap verses are actually pretty great. It's a great rap song that doesn't belong on a Lady Gaga album. What do you think about it? Yeah, it's almost as if it seems as though she just wanted to have this song and it didn't matter if it was on this album or not. She was going to, she just wanted to do it. And she got to collaborate with these rappers and TI and that was kind of like what she wanted. But it's funny, I was just talking to a friend about, I was talking to friends this, this weekend about like what they think about art pop. And my friend Griffin commented, he's like, he actually, this is his favorite song on the album. I was like, that's really interesting. And I would have never expected that. Like, tell me why you feel that way. And he was like, I think it's like you said, I think it's a great rap song. And he's like, I could totally imagine this song as like from like an early 2000s rapper featuring like some other 2000s singer. Like he said he could see like Pink doing this on her first album, which tracks if you look back at her beginning of Pink's career. And for me, it is, (laughs) I'll admit it's one of those songs when I would listen to the album when it first came out, like start to finish, I would skip it. Because I was like, this doesn't fit the, the, the dance vibe of GUI and Donatella. <laughs> right. But when I listen to it again, I'm like, like you said, I'm like, actually, this is a fucking good song. And like, it's just like, it's a good, like, standalone track. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird. It's placement <clears throat> is strange. I also, I bristle a little bit at his lyrical content. The, I don't want your jewels, I want your drugs. Like, I don't know that I love <laughs> a song that is saying that. I mean, I think I get what she's trying to say, that like, she's not in it for some material thing. But it's kind of an icky song, (laughs) and that's that's kind of like put out there for her little monsters who are like looking at her for empowerment, and then you have this track that, especially on an album when you've just said that this is this is the real you. It's just it's very, I don't know. It's all her. Maybe it's all for alter egos like Mary Jane Holland. (laughs) Maybe it's like all of these different sides of her that she's exploring, and you know she talks a lot about drugs. She talks a lot about sex in different ways. Which is true if you really listen to the lyrics of yeah. the songs on the album. So what's the other one? So obviously the big glaring, the elephant in the room when it comes to art pop is do what you want. It's impossible, I think, to consider this album in 2019, <clears throat> regardless of what Gaga has done in the last month and a half to sort of remedy this situation. To look at this album and look at Lady Gaga in a way and not feel gross for her working with R. Kelly. Right. You know, the track itself, I don't think is bad. It's like a perfectly serviceable R&B song. I understand her l- lyric intent about the public's ownership over her mm-hmm. um, and how they can do whatever they want with her, but they'll never have her essence, essentially, is right. what she's trying to say. It's hard to give anyone the benefit of the doubt in 2013 that they didn't know about R. Kelly and his whole situation. In 2013, to MCV News, she said, I'd been living in Chicago and spending a lot of time there, and that's where R. Kelly hails from. I was working on Art Pop, and I wrote Do What You Want on tour. It was about my obsession with the way people view me. I've always been an R. Kelly fan, and actually it's like an epic pastime in the House of Gaga that we just get fucked up and play R. Kelly. This is a real R&B song, and I said, I have to call the king of R&B, and I need his blessing. It was a mutual love. Not great, but okay. In a, in a press conference, though, at the same time, she says, R. Kelly and I sometimes have very untrue things written about us. So in a way, this was a bond between us. 
that we were able to say, the public, they can have our bodies, but they cannot have our mind or our heart. It was a very, really natural conversation. Excuse me, really natural collaboration. So, yeah. <laughs> in 2013, Gaga did not believe all women. <laughs> well, it's it's weird because, you know, she also got a lot of flack. I don't know if it was around this time or later or before with working Terry Richardson. Terry Richardson. This was the same time. Because same he time. worked on the video that never came out. That's right. That's yeah. right. And, and she did a documentary with him that was never released. Yes. Also, you know, accused of multiple allegations of sexual assault. You wonder if, as the artist, is she just choosing to work with other people that she uses artists all of the other shit aside but i wonder you know if she really did know at the time because since then as we know as of this year she's taken the song off of streaming services so when you listen when you look up art pop on spotify do what you want is not listenable and her statement when she pulled she pulled the song in january after lifetime's documentary series surviving r kelly the Mm -hmm. three night series which was harrowing as hell It's tough if you decide to watch it. Just prepare yourself. She released a statement and she said, As a victim of sexual assault myself, I made both the song and the video at a dark time in my life. My intention was to create something extremely defiant and provocative because I was angry and still hadn't processed the trauma that had occurred in my own life. The song is called Do What You Want With My Body. It's clear how explicitly twisted my thinking was at the time. She then removed, had every intention of removing it. She apologized for both her poor judgment when I was young and for not speaking out sooner. I'm happy she finally did it. Yeah. I don't know why it took her till January of 2019. It's, <laughs> I, it sounds like you're, you're questioning why she even worked with them in the first place. Yeah, I and am. That, and, that, that, and that's fair, because really what I want to talk about with this particular song, too, is when she performed it, on, when she was promoting the song, when the single came out, they never, they never released the video. But she did that performance on The Voice with Christina Aguilera. Yeah. And Iconic. Killer. Iconic. Like, if you've not seen it, YouTube it. It is one of the best recent in memory decade collaborations of two mega female pop stars yeah especially someone like lady gaga and christina who when christina released bionic she got so much shit for trying to copy gaga and then here she and it's all and then you know the media tried to create this like feud between them almost or like oh gaga thinks christina's ripping her off and christina's jealous of gaga and then here they are singing a fucking song together and like owning it and like dressing similarly and toasting champagne together and a performance in a way where they're allowing themselves to each be their own powerhouse vocalist without overpowering the other person one one of them wasn't trying to like take the stage away from the other they were sharing it as two super powerful women and it was it's it's so good it's so cheesetastic and gay but what is so so interesting to me is the the minute that you added another female vocalist to that song and you removed R. Kelly or really any male perspective from it, the song became that much more powerful. Totally. That much more powerful. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm like, how did no one see that the song was a failure in its original inception? Right. Was this an issue of the label forcing this on her? Like, I, you know, there's always those questions of collaborations that are clearly a marriage of convenience because the label wants these two people to work together. Was this someone... Nicki Minaj? (laughs) (laughs) Shade. Um... (laughs) I don't know. It's it's always been the hardest part for me when I think about this album is that song. And when I think about how much I love Lady Gaga and how much she has done in such a positive way for for so many groups of people totally throughout her career, it's like this one thing that was always sort of like the stain yeah. on her. And she knows it. And she knows it and she's addressed it and she's apologized for it and she's clearly grown as a person and she's clearly done the work to deal with her own shit that I think was clouding her when she made this album. Yeah. 
I think what's interesting to me is her statement when she pulled Do What You Want about her state of mind at the time, I think is a really interesting thing to use to go and look back at art pop as a whole. Because if you extrapolate from her her reasoning that she was fucked up in writing this one song and deciding to work with this one man, then it stands to reason that she was dealing with that throughout the in- entire creation of this album. You start to wonder, okay, are all the things that we question when we've talked about it, are they there because this was a person dealing with something that none of us had any idea about? Right. Then you start to reevaluate things. Yeah. So I think that's really fascinating. It adds... Who would have known six years later we'd have this whole other way of interpreting really the entire album True. In, in mm. through this. I think it's really interesting. And that she's she has since addressed that exactly in, in, in for that time. Yeah. Um but man, I, re- I really like can they just put the Christina version on Spotify and just replace that replace that song with, yeah. with that version because it's so good. Yeah. What's <laughs> interesting, and this is just a reminder of how disgusting the world is. After Gaga released her statement condemning the song, but before it was able to be taken off of all platforms, sales of it rose by 13,720%. Really? Yeah. It rose. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if those people who wanted to own it before it went away or what, but the act of her condemning the track inspired people to go out and buy it. Well, they probably listened to the song and they were like, this is a really good song. (laughs) (laughs) If they hadn't heard it before, because I know I know when it was released, it wasn't really. It's still not like a big hit of hers. Yeah, that is really interesting though, and that that seems that's just the way shit is though, isn't it? I don't even know how people to describe are just it. gross. <laughs> Maybe yeah, <laughs> people are just but, gross. I think we we can safely say that. Anyway, moral of the story with that song is the Christina version holds up, and listen to that version. Yeah, and I mean, watch, wherever you can find it, and watch the and live performance. Watch the voice performance. I I story about this. I. <clears throat> the time of that season of The Voice, I was writing for a website that no longer exists and I covered The Voice and I would go to the live shows uh-huh. and I would sit in the press room um, on the Universal Studios back lot and I would watch from screens and I would like type up my recaps and then oh I would do God. interviews with all of like the coaches and everything afterwards and we knew that Lady Gaga was coming to perform. I had been tipped off by that from by the reps from NBC and I was obviously very excited because yeah. I'm a young gay who loves Lady Gaga. <laughs> Um, We knew she was coming to perform. We did not know that Christina Aguilera was going to be joining her. And if you have seen the performance, you'll recall that there is sort of like this clamshell-esque thing on the stage that Gaga's performing in front of. And when the R. Kelly verse should begin, it turns and Christina is standing there in a matching... Gold lame outfit. Yeah, gold lame outfit and begins her verse. And I will tell you, (laughs) I lost my gay mind. (laughs) in Freak this gay press panic. room um oh my god lady gaga did not do press afterwards so i didn't get to speak to her about uh, it. but i did gush to christina about how incredible it was and she seemed like she was happy It's one of the, you know, you have those moments where you'll, you won't forget where you were. I won't forget where I was when I when, <laughs> when I, I saw stopped. Christina Aguilera come on stage with <laughs> Lady Gaga. So here's, okay, so here's a question for you. Do you think now that Gaga's obviously doing her Enigma residency in Vegas and Christina just announced the Christina experience, yeah. <laughs> do we think that there might be a night where one of them will grace the other stage and sing this song? See, here's, here's what I think. 
It can't happen before after Christina's show starts because they're at different companies. Yeah, they're at different venues. They're at different hotels who are owned by different conglomerates. But I could see a moment where Christina shows up on stage. Well, we do know that knowing, having watched The Voice when she was on, we do know Christina loves to just walk on stage and start singing. So (laughs) she could very well just be at the audience and 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 then she just goes like, it's my turn. Come up. Let's do this song. Give me a mic, please. (laughs) My fantasy is that the weekend I finally go at some point to see Gaga in Vegas would be the weekend that Christina walks on stage. But maybe that won't happen. Maybe you're right. What do you, how do you think Gaga, what do you think her rebound after this was like? So it was, it's interesting because art pop seemed like there was all this buildup that we talked about earlier and so much like her talking about the art around it and this idea of like reverse Warholism, whatever that means for her. And actually, fun fact, another tangent real quick, because uh, we're, we're telling Lady Gaga stories now, which I, am, which I love. So, <laughs> so my first job out of college was at a, ra- a local radio station up in San Francisco, and um, my friends have heard the story ad nauseum, so sorry. <laughs> but uh lady gaga she was just starting her career just dance was just released to radio and the station i worked at was a gay focused lgbt focused dance music station so um just dance was we were one of the first stations in the country to play play that first record so she came by to do promo and, and uh and do interviews and stuff like really early on in her career she would especially play, come to san francisco and play all the gay clubs there she would do like a quick like two three song pa set like she would do like love game and like just dance and early days. And so, you know, she would come into town and come by the station and take pictures with us. And she was super cool. And she was always head to toe Gaga, like in character, like as you remember her from those early days, left eye covered, Uh, like the disco (laughs) stick, like all, like the way, all of it, like the lightning tattoo thing on her face, uh, all of it. And anyway, one time this radio station, which is now sadly closed, um, but we, every year they had this big pride concert and one year this had the headliner, it was, it was the year that Cindy Lauper had that album with into the nightlife, oh. which was also like, so yes. of that era. So like just good gay yep. dance music. <laughs> so she was the headliner and it was, her, it was like Cindy Lauper and Lady Gaga and Michelle Williams from Jesse's child. Uh. Like the headliners. <laughs> And I had Billy, I had, I got, I was like, had to be like the chauffeur for the promotions team to, had to drive like the radio station vehicle, Yeah, but had to like pick all of them up and drive them to their sound checks and drive them to the hotel and drive them to the airport. And like, that was my job that weekend. So you can imagine I was like, talk about gay panic moment too. I was like, <laughs> hold your shit together. Holy shit. Anyway, Lady Gaga was still pretty new and Just Dance had been getting a lot of attention. And when she checked to the hotel, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, I don't care. But she, her code name was Candy Warhol. And this is oh. back in like 2008 or nine. So pre art pop. But she, Andy Warhol, has clearly always been a part of yeah. her experience as an artist. And I loved that. I was obsessed. I was like, oh my God, her, her like, what did they call that when you check into a hotel? An alias. Like, her alias. Yeah. Wow. Her <laughs> alias was Candy Warhol. <laughs> And that's, cl- I wonder, there's no way she still uses that. She can't. She can't. No way. She's, she's it's, uh, now everyone knows. And it's just funny because, like, I remember even back then, like, in the back of the car, she would be talking out loud about, like, what things mean to her and what she wants. And, like, it was just, she, she always kind of spoke that way. So when people question her authenticity, she does, like, just talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> she's always very thoughtful in the way that she communicates, I think. Yeah. Anyway, that's my story. <laughs> It's interesting that she, there was, when we were doing research for this, there was a lot, um, I believe it was an article with The Guardian, where she talks about 
how people were ready for her to fall, that people thought she mm. was done. Applause didn't hit number one right when it came out. The, you know, the sharks were circling. Yeah. And then you sort of, you know, you got the impression that she felt wounded when this album didn't do what she thought it might. Yeah. Um, I think that there was a real sense of that. I mean, you look at what she did immediately afterwards that began the interminable stretch where she worked with Tony Bennett, Tony Bennett. and decided she cheek fell in love cheek. with the uh, Great American Songbook. <laughs> and we all had to just t- impatiently wait and hope that she might one day return to pop music. And then when she did, we got Joanne, which was really a, a, a detour <laughs> into um, a different expression of herself that I don't think anyone was ready for. She she helped kickstart that Americana moment in pop music. Yeah, and an Americana revival. moment that I also um, I wonder I question its authenticity yeah. from a lot of white artists who <laughs> were very comfortable making black music until the 2016 presidential election, and then now they weren't making black music anymore. So it's an interesting way to look at it, but <laughs> fair, yeah. Um, but look at her now; she's fucking nominated for an Oscar. Nominated for an Oscar for not only for the song, but for Stars Born, which is also obviously a phenomenal film so people that questioned was she at peak and i mean now she's literally nominated for an oscar so i don't think she's going anywhere what will be interesting to me is what she does next yeah you know now that she is academy award nominee lady gaga will she just make an album like art pop will we get music like that anymore from her what do you think i think so you know when i think about gaga and she she would always I mean, I guess somewhat unfairly, but also justifiable. Like the media can't help, especially with female pop stars, to compare them. And she's always been compared to Madonna. Is she the new Madonna, the next Madonna? And mm-hmm. but then you think about it, like you think about careers from Madonna or Cher. They're still working massive pop stars who still put out albums and tour and do movies. Lady Gaga is just basically like she is of all of the current pop stars, I'd say, especially in an era where pop music and just celebrity in general is so flash in the pan so easily now. Um, People want the next thing. And it's really hard to sustain a long career. I think Lady Gaga, similar to someone like Beyonce, is someone who's going to be around for yeah. like the her as long as she's around, she's gonna she's gonna have a career. Yeah. And she's gonna be one of those true superstar icon divas who's going to continually release new music and do movies and do every do all of it. We don't know what she's gonna come out with because she's in a very short period of time, only a decade or so, she's already done all the she's done pop and dance and country and jazz. the jazz and like she's done she's shown us her range. So I feel like she could either do something completely different or she could just go to her pop roots and people will now be like, that's what Lady Gaga does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I so I don't know. I mean, we we do know that she's been working on new music as much as the music she did for Star Is Born. A lot of the pop, really poppy music. It was almost as if she was. It was a commentary on the state of pop music and what that is. <laughs> yeah, those songs are also really yeah. good. Oh yeah, <laughs> no hair, body, face. Yeah, it's. I mean, Get that is that. a great song. <laughs> Well, let's put it this way. Going back to Art Pop, how does that how does that album stand today? To me, Art Pop overcomes its flop title. Yeah. I think that if you were to go back and listen to Art Pop in the way that you and I have, there's so much there to love. Yeah. There is so much there that doesn't feel dated, that doesn't feel like it is stuck in an era. I find sometimes when I go back and listen to a good portion of the fame, it feels dated to me. I think that the singles hold up, but I think when you listen to a lot of the fame, it feels very much of, what was that, 2008, whenever that came out? It feels very much of then. That era. But there's something about, and I don't know if it's just that 
a lot of the sounds in art pop are still what are current in music right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they are. I don't think that's true. Because I don't think like Ariana Grande or anyone are making music like that. And that's sort of what's dominated pop music. Right. At the, at the moment, but I think it holds up. I think it's just, it's a really good, there, yes, there are some glaring issues. Jewels and Drugs is one of them, I think. I think you can listen to that on its own and it's fine, but yeah. I don't think that it is a good Lady Gaga song. Right. But to me, I think, you know, rendering my final verdict on whether this <laughs> album is a flop or not, I'd say not. I think this album is, is definitively not a flop. I have to agree. I while I think we both agreed when we were coming up with like what would be the flop of Gaga's career, it would obviously be art pop just because of the way it was received in a lot of ways, and critically what, by fans. And not only how it was received, but what it came after. Right. I think is such a, when you're determining what is someone's flop, I think it also is just, because I mean, I don't think Joanne sold very well. I don't think that it, you know, but it, it came after something, it came after nothing. Whereas this came after like a, a, the pinnacle of her career, the Born This Way era. And so when you look at that, it's sort of like she was on the high dive and she didn't, somehow somewhere it didn't connect fully right and i I think you're right about it standing the test of time and i think that's actually a tribute to kind of her genius as an artist is that she can make an album like art pop that today we listen back to and we're like these are some amazing songs that sound totally great now six years later and i think you know i I think i mentioned we might think the same of joanne in a few years time like she she is the kind of artist that makes music that that can sound timeless and that's a tribute to the genius of her artistry, as I said, but I think definitely not a flop in my, in my opinion too. I think it's, you know, while, while it may still be considered that by, by many, a lot of people probably still think that even just individual songs in this album still hold up. I mean, if you play GUI for people now, they're like, this is a really good song. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Art pop, not a flop. Someone put that on the Wikipedia page because I don't know how to do that. thank you guys so much for tuning in we will be back next week breaking down another flop could it be your faves we'll see bye see you then bye